Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. second round of the cruiserweight classic i mean my favorite of course brian kendrick defeating tony nice uh I, I mean my heart goes out for brian kendrick he's my man in this tournament you know and then we had tj perkins upsetting johnny gargano with the knee bar uh he's going on to the quarterfinals it's been great so far eight of the world's best cruiserweights getting set to do battle we begin it here tonight on the cruiserweight classic and without further ado let's go to Corey graves in the cruiserweight classic control thank you gentlemen i'm here holding it all down in the cwc control room welcome to the quarterfinals we are down to the great eight eight men representing six different countries all with one goal to be the winner of the inaugural cruiserweight classic we've got the mat wrestling of zach saber jr and noam dar the high flying of rich swan and grand metallic the striking ability of Kota Ibushi and Akira Tozawa. This round, it's going to be bonkers, okay? And our main event tonight, it's going to be the Cinderella story of the CWC. I'm talking about the Brian Kendrick. What up, High Fivers? It's your boy, High Five Tom. And uh, for the last time, at least for this showcase, 
I don't mean to assume anything, but I have a feeling Justin and I will be doing more in the future. But uh, the last time on, on this one, uh, my brother in positivity here in the IWC, Justin, how the fuck are you doing tonight, my friend? I am doing wonderful. I am. So again, I thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, dude, this has been fun, man. I, I mean, from someone that hadn't seen this, but heard all about it, this actually really, really exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to say I'm a renowned WWE, not fan of, but you know, I mean, it's been a while, but man, this is awesome. So we're going to stick with the positive because there's a shit ton of it. So, yes. Um, all right, let's jump right into this motherfucker. So, uh, we are going to go over, uh, um, what they call the great eight, right? I think they call it the, yes. the round of eight and our first match here, um, Tazawa versus Grand Metal League. Um, you know, I got my in my uh, in my notes here. Like clockwork, we got Tom talking with Styles make fights, um, mm-hmm. and this is a fucking and and this tournament. Um, and we'll we'll go over obviously some of the matchups, but man, the, the tournament here has done a great job of of meshing styles and also having st- similar styles, which with a couple of those matches here in the future. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, uh, you know that um, that I really liked it right off the bat. And one thing um, I think I got in my notes later on, as this tournament progressed, uh, Morrow and Daniel Bryan really hit their stride. No, they really did. Yeah, their first they, one. I'm sorry, they're so, they were like kind of eh in the beginning, but then yeah. it's like later on they were just like better and better and better, and it's just like. Um, and everybody involved. I mean, the production, uh, the refing, and obviously the wrestling, but. Uh, you know, we got a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, I mean, Amaro uh, and Daniel, they kind of talk about, you know, how um, Lucha Libre is obviously known for its high flying, deservedly so. Uh, but, man, Grand Metal League, that dude's got some submissions on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember, I even remember Moro saying it, too. He was like, Lucha Libre is, like, mostly known for high flying, but it's like they could pull out some interesting looking submissions like that. And I was like, I'm so happy he brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. And, I mean, obviously, Tozawa, the, the style that he works, obviously, is, you know, a bit submission-based. But um, with that being said, like him, quote-unquote, I'm going to say selling uh, the submissions. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I mean, I, a lot of those I don't think was a lot of selling, if you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and both of them really showcased. I mean, this match really kind of stuck to the ground for a while. Um mm-hmm. You know, a lot of strikes and a lot of work in the ground. No one really taking advantage. Um, but, man, Tozawa, that dude, dude's got personality up the He's fucking ass. So I am just a huge Tozawa fan. Yeah. Huge Tozawa fan. You know, and I'm, I'm glad he still has a job. But, man, get that guy on my TV. Right. Get you him know? in the mid car or something. You know, so um, – you know, especially at one time, Metal League, he got him in that, um, it was a figure four, but um, he'd done it a little differently than most figure fours are done. But, man, mm-hmm. Tazawa's reactions were priceless. Yes. Um, yeah. It was kind of like how Shawn Michaels used to do it at one point. Yeah. When Michaels was still wrestling, he did that same exact kind of figure four like that. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, Shawn Michaels is obviously very loosely, you know, based. Mm-hmm. You know, and his trading with uh, 
Jose Lothario, um, that whole thing. But, uh, you know, and then uh, the mat, you know, they're hitting the ground, and the match starts picking up. Uh, Metal League hits the air. Um, dude, that springboard elbow off top rope. So good. Um, you know, and uh, I've got it in my notes later, but I don't know how it is in Spanish, but they call him the king of the ropes. And to be honest with you, besides Phoenix, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody else that works the ropes better than he does. I don't really – I couldn't come up with a name right off the top of my head that's even as, like, he just – yeah, he knows where he is and, like, how to – like, where to go on the ropes to just do everything. And I'm like, he's so good. Yeah. And it was hilarious. He goes for that one elbow, but Zizawa catches him and just kicks his lungs out from him. Yeah. Like, oh. Which makes sense. I mean, you know, it's stuff like that. You're in a fight that just, I mean, I love when shit like that just makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, they do mention, obviously, that uh, Daniel Bryan mentioned Zizawa trained at Dragon Gate, uh, which is actually heavily influenced by Lucha Libre. And obviously, and it shows in his style, too. Um, Dragon Gate is something one of, one of these days. There's just so much good Japanese wrestling that I haven't even touched the surface on. I yeah. haven't even gotten into Dragon Gate yet. You know, and Noah, um, you know, obviously shout out to Brett, my uh, my New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, JCB from Band from Ringside. They're my yes. my, ten, my two go-tos. Um, man, they are um, just so good. And then um, once again, they get into a chop fest. And then Tazawa says, fucks that, fucks that, and just drops him with a punch to the mouth. I love that. I'm telling you, I love that punch so much. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a given. That's something he does, right? I mean, that's kind yeah, of – Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. the thing he was always doing. Even okay. when he was like – even after the tournament, he was when he was wrestling, he would do that punch all the time. And I was just like, how does anyone fall for it? It's <laughs> such a funny move. Yeah. Like I said, dude's so full of personality, man. And this – he really showcased it in his match um, – just a weird kind of side note. Marl says, no offense to LL Cool J, but ladies love Dragon Gate. I was like, yeah. <laughs> what are you I mean, Marl, I love you, buddy. You're you're wicked smart, but uh I don't even uh, know where that line came from. Yeah, I you know, I, I put in my notes here, I'm like, please tell me that line came from the back. You know, somebody I'm hoping so because man, that was such a weird line. But you know, it it, it is what it is, so um, you know, and then I love, um, once again, Metalik, he's, he's on the ropes and he does the undertaker walk. Um, and you know, and Tazawa is holding him and then he just comes in and missile drop kicks while Tazawa is holding them. Once again, it makes sense. You know? Yeah. It wasn't one of those things where he just grabs a hand and goes up. Like he gave him a stiff ass chop. Yeah. To give to just stun him. And it was like, okay, here I go and drop kick. And I was like, and then you're done. So, and then uh, the end of the match, um, a lot of awesome false finishes. Um, and do that deadlift suplex by Tazawa. It's so pretty. It's just so slow and so smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, Metalik kicks out at two and uh, 31 and 30 seconds. Uh, and then uh, Metalik gets up for the. Um, Basically, his version of the Death Valley Driver. Uh, Tazawa squirms out of it, but uh, the Metal League goes for the Metal League Driver for the one, two, three. Mm-hmm. No, um, such a great fucking match. I am so loving awesome. these guys. Um, awesome, bitch. you know, and it's and it's the first match. I'm like, Jesus Christ, where do we go from here? 
<laughs> you know, so and I still can't find anything on Grand Metal League since 2020. So I don't know if he's taking a break or what's going on. So I don't know what he's doing either right now. Like I haven't heard anything from about what he's doing right now. I know his I know his former like uh Lucha House party mates are all over the freaking place. So yeah. Yeah, and I just saw Kalisto a couple weeks ago or Samurai Del Sol and um, but yeah, I think he's in MLW right now too. Oh no shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Great place for him to go to. Do you watch a lot of MLW? Not as much as I used to, but I need to get back into watching them more it because. Like they, yeah. It seems like they, they really uh, just go in spurts. Um, we were at their taping in Philadelphia last year and uh, it was cool. Cause we got speaking of Lucha underground. So Cesar Duran was there, you know, the Dario Cueto of, uh, you know, MLW, but that dude's so good. He is amazing. Just and we've, fantastic. We've, we've talked about that before, but Dario, I mean, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. MLW to me, they just, they've been having, they just had a lot of like a stint where they were just, you couldn't find them. Yeah. They were on, they're on YouTube and then they left YouTube and they had the deal with vice, but then that like whole thing didn't work out. And then they just weren't, they just couldn't find them. And then they put them back on YouTube again. So they're not on Vice anymore? No, not anymore. Wow, that was quick. Jesus. It really didn't last at all. And it wasn't even anything like new. It was all just old stuff. Yeah. And Hammerstone is so dedicated to them. So that guy is something else. He is outstanding. Yeah. And uh, talk about personality. But. You know, like in the words of my uh, good friend, uh, the OG Kevin Girl, Gill, I digress. Yes. All right, Justin, this match. Obushi versus Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick. Um, you know, if you weren't a Brian Kendrick fan before this match, you sure as fuck were after this match. Um, you know, we're, we don't have to rehash, you know, you know, the old stories. Um, but man, just the storytelling of this match. The fact of the matter is, obviously, Bushi is the heavy favorite. Uh, Brian Kendrick is the dark horse Cinderella. You know, yep. he was, you know, the token, you know, veteran, blah, 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 blah. And um, they told this story in the ring to fucking perfection. Outstanding. It was just outstanding. You know, and sometimes people see Japanese strong style as just a, you know, a very hard hitting style, but it doesn't really tell, tell stories. Those people are fucking stupid because Abushi and Kendrick told an amazing story in this match. Um, it's weird how they have Kendrick as high flying in the beginning right. when they were doing the graphic for that. And I'm like, Brian Kendrick doesn't come off high flying. I mean, not anymore. He's technical now. Like, yeah. he's a brawler. Um, and dude, and, and right off the bat, I mean, they battle a little bit. You know, Kendrick's getting his ass kicked. Uh, you know, he gets re- takes a powder outside. Abushi follows him, and I, I forgot to rewind it, but I love how he tied his leg up in the guardrail. That was great. I loved that. So smart. Yeah. Once again, it just fucking makes sense. Try. Mm-hmm. I mean, count outs is good as a pin. You know. Um. You know, and and obviously Daniel Bryan is is favoring Brian Kendrick here for yes. obvious reasons. You know, we've gone over that. And um, and you know, so he, he's playing the homer for Kendrick, but dude, it fucking works. 
Yeah. Yeah. Obviously he's biased, but dude. Um, yeah. And I, I always say, listen, I don't mind, um, you know, even like in regular sports broadcasting, I don't mind in an intelligent and passionate quote unquote Homer, you know, a lot of real sports, um, you know, I'm pretty fortunate here to have Bob Uecker, um, you know, call the, my Brewer games and some decent ones, but I mean, a Homer's fine. Yeah. You can favor your team, you know? So, I mean, some, a lot of these broadcasters are just hired by the teams. They're like, okay, they're paying me for it, but you know, yeah. Once again, I digress. So, um, yeah. And Kendrick just using it, using smarts. Uh, he had a bushy does what a bushy does. And he kicks the, he kicked the lift and shit out of it. <laughs> Those um, kicks are something else, you know? And once again, like I said, I think Kendrick sold it. Um, but dude, those kicks, I don't know how much you're selling that. I mean, that should fucking hurt. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a kick to the head. There's no way, there's no way to even try to sell it. It's yeah. just, you take it and you're just dropping. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Kendrick goes now do this, this spot. Holy fucking shit. So Kendrick gets on the apron and, uh, he grabs a bushy and that goddamn neck breaker on the turnbuckle. Oh my God. That was, I love how they kept talking about the fact that he has past neck problems and it, and Kendrick just went for it. And I was just like, this is so like Kendrick's going to have to go this route. And this is what he was. Cause that's what this whole story was. Any yeah. means necessary to get back here. I don't know about you, but I never seen no shit like that. Uh, I have never either. At that you know, point. And, and we talked, you know, how Dana Bryan has said that before, but I've watched some, some wrestling and dude, I, yeah, I've never seen a neck breaker on a on a turnbuckle like that. Yeah, and obviously, you know, fourth wall. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that wrestling is "quote unquote" scripted. Um, mm-hmm. But dude, that's a bushy giving Brian Kendrick a lot of fucking trust. Yeah, um, yeah to be able to pull that move and not kill him. You know, with, yeah. You know, anybody, even if you've got a brand new healthy neck, you know, you know, just oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then like Marlo says, yeah, just Kendrick being smart and using his environment, you know, he's using what he's got. And I agree a million percent. Um, yeah. And then Kendrick keeps working that neck. Um, so good, you know, work, working the body part, like you said, and that's a good point. I, you know, I didn't even really kind of realize that, but yeah, like Kendrick having to win this match by any means necessary, you know, just showing his passion. I mean, this is his last chance. He kept trying his hardest to put that bully choke in. He wanted that in so much. Yeah. And even when he got it in for a little bit, it was just enough to weaken that neck. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Kendrick kind of makes a, a strategic uh, strategic mistake, starts going to blows with uh, Kota Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Not the best idea. <laughs> um. You know, and then another, um, I'm not sure the ref was in this match, uh, but a nice little spot because, the you know, the ref, you know, is telling, uh, you know, Kendrick, keep your hands up. You know, if you're not mm-hmm. keeping your hands up, we're going to call this fight. You know, the ref telling the story, too. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, as the tournament progressed, even the refing got better. So, um, yeah, and then Kendrick hits that sliced bread thingy he does. Um, yeah, and Abushi sold the living shit out of it. He um, folded like he was kissing his knees. Yeah. 
And then, uh, you know, Kendrick goes for the pin right away. You know, once again, these two had great chemistry. You know, I don't know how they did it because I don't think Ibushi speaks much English. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the language of wrestling um, is what it is. So, Mm -hmm. and then Ibushi hits that Paley kick on Kendrick from the top rope and then uh, knocks him down on the apron in another goddamn deadlift German suplex off the second row or off the rope. I mean, there's a reason Bush has got nine abs. Yeah. You know, so. I, I still can't. I still can't. Every time I see that move, I just go, oh, my God. That just looks so devastating every time. Yeah. And listen, I mean, he was on the rope, so he's he's not even flat-footed. You know, he doesn't even have a base, and that's just, yeah. that's all core. Um, but, yeah, like you said, but, you know, Kendrick working that bully choke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's such a simple move, but it's so believable. You know, you know, a guy like Kendrick, you know, is be able to do pull that move off and beat somebody yeah. like Ibushi. It's mm-hmm. so simple, though. Um, but man, yeah, that one time, like I said, in, in this, I had the benefits of this match. I didn't know. The only thing I knew was that um, I knew the who was in the final, so I didn't know who won this match. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, because he got that bully choke in there towards the end, and I thought that was it. Yeah. Um, the one after he missed the Phoenix Splash. I um, thought that was it. I thought I'm that like, was it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Is he really going to beat Ibushi? Um, dude, so good. I Yeah. Um, yeah, and once again, out of a miss. You know, out of a miss, and he just rolled in and got him in there. But, um Towards the end of the match, I mean, we could talk about this all night. So, um, uh, yeah, that's like, oh, but yeah, oh, oh, Bushi's so goddamn strong. Like I said, he's just able to power. Um, but he gets a head kick. Um, you know, he, power, he powers out of that, uh, gets a head kick in, and then he bombs him for the one, two, three. Um, you know, dude, in a second, that, that, that ref's head, three man. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I started crying. I, I did too. The first time I watched it, I teared yeah. up. I was just like that. Just Kendrick put on a show. He freaking killed it. Yeah, he, he he fucking did. And uh, you know, and obviously Daniel Bryan coming in is more crying and uh mm-hmm. um did Kendrick so do you remember did Kendrick get um did he get signed originally, like right away after this, you think, or do you know? Or remember, um, I mean, like a research, but what the fun that would have been. I think he did. I think he did because um, they had a because all the people when because two hundred five live wasn't a thing at the time yet. Yeah. So they because they immediately put him on Raw after, but but Kendrick was there. They they brought him back. Um, and do you think um do you think they signed him because of his performance, or do you think they had? They, uh, like you're, I know, obviously, um, I'm assuming you're not backstage at WWE. Um, but do you think they signed him because of his performance, or do you think they had the, an inkling they were going to re-sign him anyways? Uh, I, I think it might have been a little of both, honestly. If they saw that performance and said, yeah, that's that was outstanding, and then just the fact of how, like, the story, just how everybody was so into Kendrick. Yeah. They were just so dedicated to watch Kendrick and – See if he could pull out the Cinderella story. Yeah, dude, it was over. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so good. Um, just everything about this match. So mm-hmm. then our next match, Justin, holy shit. Once again, I know I'm going to say that a lot. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, this tournament. It's just full of holy shit. Like, yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. One of my personal favorites. I'm assuming one of your personal favorites. Yes. Um, versus Noam Dar. Oh, and I did, I did look it up. Um, so obviously, so this aired or this went down. No, oh, this would have been before Labor Day. Um, but yeah, Zach Saber. So he made it actually the quarterfinals of Bola. He wasn't in the final, so he did. He did wrestle three matches for Bola that year, and then came did this. Wow. Um, so the guy's uh, a workhorse. Yeah, you know, and I think yeah, because I think he went back to England shortly after after this. So. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, this, you know, once again, styles make fights, but this time, this time we've got the teacher versus the student. Um, you know, ZSJ, you know, is they're friends in the real life. Um, he's trained Noam Dar. And it's one of those things like, you know, hey kid, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. <laughs> you know, it's a story as old as time. Um but these guys did a great job. Um, it's it's a mat classic right there. Yeah, you know, and this 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 match is magic. When the styles are, I mean, they're so similar. Um, yes. Don't have a lot of notes on this match because it was just that fucking awesome. Yeah, it's hard sometimes when a match is that good. Yeah, it's just like, do I want to take notes or do I just want to enjoy this? And it's like, I think I'm just going to enjoy this. Yeah, um, you know, the match went as expected. Um, Lots of just amazing catch wrestling styles. And, you know, half of them I don't even know the name of. I'm not even going to try and name them. <laughs> um, but I get, I guess Noam Dar is a mark for Oasis. And a couple of his moves are named from the band Oasis, I guess. So, um, but yeah. And like I said, yeah, obviously a lot has talked about Noam Dar is only 23. But, dude, ZSJ is only five years older. Motherfucker is only 28. 28 years old, Justin. He's and he's doing these things. He's an absolute. He he's if if Jonathan Gresham wasn't the octopus, Zach Saber Jr. is. Yeah. God, when do we see those guys wrestle again? God, I hope sometime soon. Oh, Gresham's so good. Outstanding. Um, Well, that's funny, actually. Um, Don't let me forget. That's another person that was not in this tournament. Um, and he probably would have been a cruiserweight at this time. So, um, but yeah, back to the match. Um, you know, ZSJ doing what he does. He's working Dar's leg, uh, doing the great storytelling right there. Um, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I could watch ZSJ all day. Um, <laughs> if I could watch ZSJ wrestling someone that's almost as good as him, I could watch him all week. But dude, I could watch these two motherfuckers watch all month. That guy knows a counter to everything. I swear. He knows a counter to everything. Yeah, and Dar did such a great job in this match. Um, you know, where it was um there was a sequence where they, they went into strikes and the ZSJ just grabs at Mar Bar out of nowhere. It's like um yeah. And then Dar reverses that arm bar into a pinning combination, and then ZSJ kicks out into a knee bar and gets Dar to the turn to the cable uh, to the ropes. So I was like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just watch? 
These guys did like four different styles in like in the span of like 38 seconds. Um, you know, but uh, and then in the end, um, Dar goes for the takedown, but as ESGA grabs his head, uh, takes him down to the ring, uh, to the rings of Saturn's, um, and he had to use his legs more than his arms because his arms was hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Zach Sabre Jr. gets uh, gets the win. It's such uh, a crazy, it's a crazy thing because if you think about it, you get Dar working his leg at first. Yep. And then like Zach's working his leg, uh, is working his leg. And then it's like, then, and in the end, he ends up having that moment where they put him in the knee bar and they roll out and he like supposedly hyperextended his elbow. And then it was like Dar focused on the arm, but he completely forgot about working the leg so it was like, and in the end, the legs were the thing that ended up getting him. Yeah. So good. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to assume anything, but I don't think that happened by accident. Yeah, you no. Know? So, so good. Um, so in our last matchup for uh, for the, the great eight, as um, the, the kids like to call it, my boy, TJ Perkins versus not so much my boy, Rich Swan, but Rich Swan is definitely growing on me more and more. Um, you know, another case of you know, friends wrestling each other, you know, and friends will beat the piss out of each other more than anything. Um, you know, but this is you know, this is a match of contemporaries. You know, these guys are very, you know, they train together, they know each other. Um, you know, and then um we're oh, Sorry. I don't know how you do this stuff off the cuff, Justin. I got notes up the yin yang on here. So, <laughs> Justin's so doing all this shit off the top notes. Of I just go with it. My but, mind works sometimes when it wants to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on the surface, this match seems very evenly matched, which it is. Um, but, you know, Daniel Bryan kind of talked uh, deep down. Um, this this matchup is a little different as, as TJP is more the quote unquote cerebral competitor. Um, and Rick Swan really kind of gets by on his athleticism. And that is not a diss to either man at all. Um, you know, and Daniel Bryan did a really good job. Um, I'm not going to tell you that I thought of that. Um, I, you know, I, that was not an observation I would have made till Daniel Bryan, but that's why he's the analyst. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and I just want to reiterate TJP or Fritz Swan or any of your family or friends hear that, that is not a diss to either of you at all. Yes. Um, you know, um, you know, and watching these two go hold for hold, you know, putting their friendship on hold, you know, and letting the competitiveness of the, of the match and the moment take over was, was awesome. And once again, well told, you know. Swan will work in the back. It's very bizarre to me. <laughs> I was not yeah. used to that. Yeah, and then they had their little dap competition, you know. So just uh, <laughs> love that. Yeah, telling so the story. And Daniel Bryan's like, "Yeah, I was thinking maybe it was like a dubstep thing, but I guess it's called a dap." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, Daniel, you are oh, a dork, and I fucking love it." Um, you know, and the, these matches are so great. Um. What am I going to say? Oh, um, yeah, like we talked about earlier, you know, the, the tournament gets better and better. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and listen, Marlon and Daniel Bryan really got their groove and even the officiating. Um, and something I just want to say here, we're going to go off a little bit of a tangent. Um, yeah, we're not taking a fuck you zoom break yet. We got 10 minutes. Um, obviously Drake, Drake younger is, is the referee in this match. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. There's a lot of things, uh, that Drake younger believes that I, uh, that I vehemently disagree with. Um, but that's okay. I mean, it's, you know, in, in, in my world, I don't think he should have been treated the way he's being treated. Um, you know, and as long as you're not killing animals, um, you're not hurting children, you're not calling for the destruction of people simply based from, you know, what race they're born and some other things. You can have your opinion, even if I vehemently disagree with that opinion. I don't use this podcast to get on my soapbox because no one needs my fucking opinion. Um, but, you know, I've met Trick a couple times, and he was super, super nice. Um, you know, and I've got friends that are shoot friends with him. You know, so, I mean, yeah. And I'll, so I'll be honest with you. Some of the things he believes, I, I vehemently disagree with. That's okay. So, um, sorry, I, I, I just wanted to get out there. Um, cause people say, Oh, you're going to bat Drake younger. And what do you think? Dude was a great fucking ref. Um, and he's a great worker too. him. If you ever seen the guy wrestle, um, I never have to see him wrestle. I never have to see him wrestle. Um, he's made a couple appearances in Bola. Dude can fucking work. Um, you know, so, and, and he did a great job in this match. So, and, and I know, he worked, I know all I know is he worked a lot of CZW. So that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, you know, and same thing for TJP, um, people, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess he's got some off the but Hey, you know, that's how people treat people. So that's all I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, uh, this match was just really about, you know, TJP. Um, wow. I've got some fucked up notes here. Jeez. That's professional podcasting. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's mostly yeah, I mean, just. It's mostly oh, the, just their friendship. It's mostly just their friendship. Yeah. And, like, well, and working the injuries, you know, like you said, I mean, mm-hmm. Juan's got the, the back injury and everything. So I love how, it, I love how it doesn't get noticed at first too. Like yeah. when Swan does the moonsault lands on the floor, hurts his knee and, and TJ doesn't see it at first, but then it's like later on when Swan comes in and he just lands wrong and you, you see him selling the knee again. And TJ's like, Oh, I see what's going on here. Yeah. Um, but man, they told such a great story. I mean, yeah, they're friends and yeah, you won this match, but you don't want to, you know, hurt someone's career, but, um, you know, but I mean, those things, I mean, those things got me engaged in the match. Um, you know, at the end of the match, you know, Swans comes to the knee, um, you know, he can't get the pen. Um, he can't get holds on like he normally would. And, um, you know, as Swan goes, you know, rolling DDP or a DDT, not DDT, yo, show it to DDP yoga. Um, he uh, catches him um, and gets that paley kick into the transition. Uh, dude is so good. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, the paley kick and then transition and uh, got him in the knee bar. And, uh, you know, TJ, he's so smooth. You know, and, yes. and these, these pins in the transitions and everything. And Rich Swan, once again, was an amazing dance partner. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, people always give credit to the people, you know, dishing out the moves, but you got to have the guy to take it. So, mm-hmm. um, 
You know, and the second, the second that bell rang, man, TJP turned it off. And he's more worried about his, you know, his friend. Once I didn't cry this time, I was close. Um, but you know, it was it was a great story, and um, you know, the sportsmanship. Um, and with Rich Swan, I've never hated Rich Swan. I just want to get that out there. I just wasn't a big fan. I've always respected him, but dude, after this, I respect him even more now. Um, I think Dover, he's outstanding. That's yeah. all. Like uh, the fact that he was finally a world champion somewhere to me wow. just makes it so much better. And I feel so bad for him still because he got the shaft so much. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, at least he'll be able to say he was a world champ, but I mean, unfortunately he was a, a transitional champ, but you know, dude does a standing 450, Justin. It's outstanding. I don't know how he does it. I do not understand how that's a thing. He stands, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. So kudos to both these guys. Um, I, I'm a fan of, of both. You know, obviously we'll we'll talk more about TJP. Obviously going on here, um, that's not too much of a spoiler. But um, Justin, we got about four minutes. Should we take a fuck you Zoom break and be back in about two three? Yes, fuck you uh-huh. Zoom break. <laughs> Ibushi 
with a surgically repaired neck. Yes, he was the tournament favorite, but Brian Kendrick did everything he could, targeting that part of his anatomy and almost pulling off the upset win. Let's take a look at what transpired I in mean, Brian, Brian tried everything. He tried to get Kota Ibushi counted out here by tying his foot into the guardrail. This is what changed everything. Brian Kendrick, neck breaker on the exposed steel. And that, many of us thought could have been it. And look, he even resorted to the slice bread number two, one of his patented maneuvers. And Abushi lands right on his neck and barely able to kick out. I thought Brian had it there. And look wow. at this, German suplex from the outside in off the second rope. Look at Brian land on his neck. But watch the neck of Kota Ibushi here. Burning hammer dropped right on his sideways head. right on his head. I thought Brian had it there for sure, but Kota Ibushi kicks out at the very last second. Phoenix Flash misses. Brian with the bully choke. I thought this was it for sure. Wrenching back on that neck. But here, Kota Ibushi. The intestinal fortitude of Kota Ibushi fully on display. And then with the head kick. And then the Golden Star Powerbomb. A matchup worthy of the final of the Cruiserweight Classic. Sees Kota Ibushi advance to the final round. Let's make it official with ring announcer Mike Rowe. Here is your winner, Kota Ibushi! With that victory, Kota Ibushi has qualified for the semifinals and is that much closer to winning the inaugural Cruiserweight Classic. What a match! You know, I don't care if he wins or if he lost this match. I am so proud of you, Brian. You put on an incredible performance this entire tournament. The tears, they have fallen. But Brian Kendrick can stand tall after that performance tonight. Kota Ibushi, Grand Metalik, advanced to the semifinals. We hope you've enjoyed the first of two episodes of the quarterfinals of the inaugural WWE Cruiserweight Classic. Good night.
high fivers. We are back from our uh, fuck you Zoom break. Uh, I'm all we all are all hydrated. Um, I relieved myself. I'm probably probably too much information, but hey, I drink a lot of fucking water. So, and this has got me pumped. You know, taking up a lot of energy here. So, yes. we are on to the oh shit. What they call it? Wasn't was the fan? Was the Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four. Is that what they called it? Okay. I think so, yeah. In our first match is Grand Metalik versus the aforementioned Zack Sabre Jr. Um, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, um, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. had just wrestled in the Battle of Los Angeles. Um, not more than, if my dates are up, probably a week and a half before this. Um, and if anyone's not familiar with said Battle of Los Angeles, go check it out. Check out any match from it, and you'll understand it's a fucking tournament. I was gonna say it's a long tournament too. Yeah, and it's uh well, I mean, well, no, they do twenty four because they got three blocks. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're wrestling four matches. If you're gonna win it, you gotta win four matches in two days. Just saying, and it's not cold wow. in Southern California. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, like I say, styles make mat fights, and uh, yeah. you get British strong style versus Lucha Libre. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> uh, you know, and Daniel Bryan, once again, he's mentions in this, um, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, so obviously he's won three matches with three different moves. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, the same Metal- move every time. Yeah, and uh, the Metal League driver's been getting him through the tournament, unless I don't mean as a, as a diss or anything, but um, mm-hmm. I like how they protected it. Um, yeah. You know, he's pinned everyone with the mental elite driver, so no one's kicked out of it yet. Is that foreshadowing? I don't know. Um, oh. Yeah. But right at the beginning of the match, um, smart move. I mean, metal elite just lights the ESJ up. The fuck up. Um, just attacks him with everything he's got, running all over the ring, jumping off the ropes. Um, you know, but ZSJ being, the, you know, the ground wizard he is, and um, he's able to ground him like a champ. I mean, you, this is escapeology shit. This thing's, you know, this is a, uh, this is true. Um, yeah, put up my notes here, Justin. We need to get a, we need to get a GoFundMe going to get Graham and Elite back on our TV screens. Yes, yes. You know, um, maybe, I don't know where, just somewhere. I want to yeah. see more Grand Metal League. Damn it. Yeah, you know, maybe we'll start a hashtag. You know, sign Grand Metal League. So, are you uh, MLW? Do it. Yeah, perfect. I mean, especially with that um, um, Azteca Underground thing they're doing and everything. So, um, yeah. But a uh, couple of gems here from Morrow. Um, he described this match as a as a rapid-fire chess match. Um, the, the way he put it with his accent was way better. And then it's um, <laughs> him with an, um, a European upper cup. Uh, upper cup, jeez. Uppercut. Um, he's like, man, GSJ hit him so hard, he's rearranged his DNA. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking hoot. Um, yeah, fucking loved it. But yeah, once again, there, there's not, I mean, what can you say about this match? These two just went tit for tat. Um, I mean, it started off like a house of fire. Look at how Metalik just takes him down. Shoots over the top rope and then just says, screw it. I'll do a springboard swanton and that'll work. Yeah. You know, and dude is, I mean, like you said, the king of the fucking ropes. Um, 
You know, and ZSJ plays into it so well too. You know, we talked about earlier, you got to have a good dance partner. I mean, you're coming off the ropes and you got to trust the other guy to do what they're supposed to do. So, um, you know, but at the end of the end of the match, um, and I don't mean to cut short this match. And I mean, this match is fucking amazing. I just don't have words to describe what was going on. It was amazing. It was a great back and forth. Um, these two telling a great story, um, using, using their strengths. And, uh, you know, at the end of the match, um, you know, ZSJ gets Metalik into an arm bar. Uh, Metalik counters a roll of pin. ZSJ kicks out into the, into the corner. Uh, ZSJ runs at Metalik, who ducks, picks up ZSJ for the Metalik driver. Smooth as shit, by the way. Um, and gets the one, two, three. Um, you know, once again, like I said, Lucha Libre, known for their high flying. But, dude, I mean, Metalik showed off as catch as catch can. And this, you know, going tit for tat with ZSJ here. Um, it was definitely a surprising victory, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, unfortunately, I, I knew the outcome before. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I bet you a lot of people would have had money. I mean, I'm assuming you had ZSJ winning this match. Yeah, watching this live, I yeah. was like, ZSJ seems like he was one of those big favorites to win this whole thing. And I was just like, and he got eliminated by Grand Mets League, and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, now, I forgot to ask you, so before this tournament, had you know much about ZSJ before? Not really, honestly. This okay. is my, this was kind of my, my like, full-on, like, my introduction to him before I started seeing him more in New Japan. Like, yeah. I, this was my introduction to him because I'd only seen, like, highlights of him at first. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like we talked about, Alyssa, I love how the Metal League drivers – it's a protected finish throughout this tournament so far. Um, mm-hmm. So far, we shall see what happens. But uh, the second match of our uh, Fantastic Four, um, the aforementioned legendary Golden Lover, Kota Bushi versus TJP. Um, you know, bottom line is these are literally two of the best in the world at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't remember. Um, Unless I got my mouth, this match is fucking slaps. That's the bottom line. I know that's what the kids like to say nowadays, but easily um, so good. TJ working strong style almost as well. Yeah, um, and it showed. Um, you know, we'll get into that later. But uh, was TJP was he signed at this point? Um, to WWE? No. Wow. I don't believe. Yeah, no, he wasn't actually. Okay, so. We won't go I think ahead. he was just. I think this was just off. This was like this whole tournament. I think it was after his like his stint in Impact at the time. Okay, after he, he had just got off the Manic character. That's right. Okay, got and then he was, got here, and I was like, "Holy hell, that's!" Because I remember him unmasking. Because when he was suicide, and then he ends up unmasking, but then he ends up being Manic with James Storm, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Then he came in there, and I was like. I was like, holy hell, it's TJ. That's awesome. Yeah, because he had a great run there in Impact for like a year and a half, right? Yeah. yeah. Part of the revolution at one point. So like I said, him, James Storm, Abyss, Sonata. When Sonata was still young, like. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Dude, once again, Impact, man. Their history runs deep. They do. Um. You know, I had a lot of fun going back watching all the bone for the glorious, but yeah, it's not. It's Jesus fucking Christ. 
Um, yeah, because I mean, watching the Ring of Honor too. Not to talk about another podcast or anything, but I mean, he TJP's um, actually just finishing up in Ring of Honor, but uh, he's been battling my man uh, Mike Mondo. No fear, Mike Mondo. Whoa. Yeah, dude, I'm a huge, I am a legit huge fan of Mike Mondo. But yeah, they had one match where Mondo tried biting his eyeball out. I was like, whoa, whoa, fucking love it. But anyways, I digress. Um, but it's a great theory. So I read a book. Um, oh shit, what's the name of the goddamn book? It's one of those self help books, but it's one of those you know kick in the face more self help books uh, by this guy Mike Miller. Um, I don't have said copy here. I can't believe I forgot the name of it. Uh, but he's got a theory in there. And like, if you're going to do something, you don't leave anything, you know, left for the swim back. So if you're going to swim out somewhere, um, I'm doing a horrible job of explaining that. But these two did a great job, um, you know, because a lot of times, like, well, you got to save something for the next match. Save something for the next match. These two, and actually the aforementioned other two, these guys went balls out. Um, you know. Because, I mean, it just fucking makes sense. You can't make it to the next match if you don't fucking win this one. Exactly. You know, um, and we didn't get that from Morrow and Daniel Bryan. This is just other thing, you know. I, it just bothers me when you see these tournaments and, and the announcers are like, we're going to save something for the next match, blah, 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 blah. These guys didn't. I fucking loved it. I mean, kudos to them. Um, yeah. Um. You know, and, lo- you know, the beginning of the polar opposites of the last match, um, lots of lockups, lots of transitions. Uh, but, dude, yeah, Kota Bushi goes to that kick, and TJP, you're the first fucking person to think, oh, maybe I should block this fucking kick. Mm-hmm. And, T- and uh, Bushi just gives him this look like, you mother, do you know who I am? Yeah, when, they, when he starts throwing that kick low and then TJ checked him and I was just like, and Ibushi gives him that look. I was like, oh, he's kind of ticking off Ibushi here. Uh, that's the first crack of emotion you see in Ibushi this whole fucking tournament. I just love, I mean, just the facial expression. You, I mean, I don't mean to quote Enzo here, but you can't teach that. <laughs> that was, I mean, it, it was awesome. Um, you know, and once again, you know, is he, you know, TJP, he's not doing any dapping in this match. He's like, I'm facing Kota fucking Ibushi. This is mm-hmm. all goddamn business, motherfuckers. He's um, usually, he was showboating a lot during the tournament, but as soon as yeah. he got to Ibushi, he was like, none of that. Yeah. And dude, I, I don't get it, man. I don't know what they, I mean, I don't know if Ibushi's taking stem cells or if they put metal rods in his neck or something. Because that fall he took off when TJP knocked him off top rope and Ibushi fell awkwardly on his neck on the apron. I'm like, motherfucker. I mean, obviously accidents happen, but I'm like. He looked like he hit his head on that apron. Like, that looked painful. Um. I, I just, I, I don't get it. I mean, obviously, you know, you watch some of his training videos and these guys, these guys have very, very strong necks and, and the things they can do, um, you know, but still, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they're going for, you know, um, the missed punches. Um, you know, that was a lot of, you know, Bushi throw a couple punches at him and TJP get him. But uh, yeah, then Abushi starts landing those fucking kicks, man. It's all over. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if the you know if I had known who's gonna win, um, you know, Babushi hits his Abushi bomb on him, and I thought that was it. I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 
What? I uh, forget the first one where he attempted it, and then TJ spiked him with that DDT. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then um. Well, TJP gets a bushy and uh, you know, on a knee bar like he's been doing all tournaments. Super smart. Uh, take the base out of him. Um. But yeah, Dan O'Brien's like, yeah, a bushy. Sorry, man. Those ropes are in another time zone, my friend. So, um, I love that line. So, um, yeah. Yeah, there was a one sloppy part where I mean, Abushi um, had him in a. I mean, he did that pile driver. It kind of landed on his neck slash back and uh, went into the pin right away. But he kind of kicked TJP's legs out for the the kick out. Yeah, um, I don't know. That kind of was a little sloppy to me, but whatever. Um, but you know, once again, Justin, I've said this a dozen times. I this match is just so fucking good. There's, I you know. It's outstanding. We'd be, we'd be here all night going for him, you know, move for move. But uh, the end of the match, um, you know, Bushi goes to the power bomb. Uh, TGB, TJP rolls through into a sweet knee bar. Uh, but Bushi struggles, uh, almost gets out of it. But TJP um, transitions to that STF thingy and uh, wrenches on his fucking neck. And uh, he gets a submission. And uh, the biggest pop of the night. Um, yeah. You know, and that's saying a lot because they had some fucking pops, man. Dude, once again, this crowd was fucking hot. Yes. They were, they were, dude. Um, you know, and uh, that's it. Yeah, TJP is going to be facing Grand Metal League in the finals. Um, you know, Bushi's all class. Um, obviously, it's always good seeing William Rigo on the screen. You know, I kind of understand, but I wish the crowd, I mean, you want to give Koto Bushi his thank you. Um you know, they're trying to thank you, Coda. But, I mean, TJP kind of deserved a little better, I thought, maybe. But that could be just me picking nets. I don't know. I mean, TJ was doing it. was clapping along with them to, like, right. kind of get them to keep – just just pay attention to Ibushi right now. I'll I'll be fine. Just pay attention. Give him his thing. Like, yeah. Um, maybe because I'm such a TJP mark now that I just kind of – but, I mean, you know. So, um. And obviously, I mean, I imagine these tournaments are probably, obviously, you know, predetermined probably all the way through. I'm not sure on that, though. I don't know. Sometimes they, they have a, an idea. But uh, do you think ZSG and Abu, obviously, Grand Metal League and TJ Perkins earn their spots? Don't get me wrong. Um, but ZSG and Abushi are on another level. Um, yeah. Do you think because they weren't, quote, unquote, signing with WWE, that's why they didn't want to have them win? I mean, it could be, it could have been a, a, a reason why, though, because, like I said, we only saw Zach for this tournament. That was it. Yeah. Um, and, and Abushi, that's the only time we saw him. So, I mean, um, yeah, it always kind of makes you wonder. But, listen, I don't want to take away anything from TJP or Grand Metal League either. I mean, they well, well, well deserved it. And kudos to ZSG and Abushi, um, as I'm rolling away here, sorry. Um, for putting them over. Yeah, they lost, but man, I mean, yeah, they made those two look fucking great. It so. gave them some those shocking, those big shocking wins. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously it's six years later and we're still fucking talking about it. So, mm-hmm. so obviously these two need a break um, because they just got to live and piss beat out of them. So we got a tag team match. And I kind of wish they would have done more stuff like this. I do too. I was definitely uh, interested to see more. 
you know, um, not, not to be all over on, uh, you know, pro wrestling gorillas dick or anything, but you know, like Bola, um, they always put in like, you know, the losers of the first round are always in a big hilarious, you know, tag team match and they'll yeah. put other matches in, um, to get those guys. That's a different format. That's a, that's a tournament in three days, but, um, <laughs> but we get Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar versus the team known as DIY. And if any high fivers out there are unaware of who DIY is, you're suspect. You should. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Um, they are one of the greatest tag teams in, in NXT history. Um, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. But dude, they were only together eight months after this. Yeah. I can't believe they broke up in fucking May of 2017. It seemed like they changed forever. It's crazy to think about. You know, and I know they were teaming up for probably what six months before this, probably right. But, um, you know, and we'll we'll get into why you know we don't think two or five got you know much of a run after this. But, dude, I mean, a tag team, a, a cruiserweight tag team division. Um, didn't they talk about that at one point? I thought there I heard. was talk about it. There was talk about it when oh. they introduced, like after this tournament, they had the the cruiserweight title. There was talk about having cruiserweight tag titles, and I was like, that sounds really interesting. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later, but uh, you know, and man, dude, Cedric and Noam Dar, they could have made a run. Good team, very good um, team. Yeah, and, and speaking of the Battle of Los Angeles, um, Cedric was also in the Battle of Los Angeles in 2016. Um, yeah, he was knocked out in the first round, but yeah. Dude, Cedric is no joke, man. I am a fucking huge fan of that guy. So He is just – he's on. He's an outstanding wrestler. Yeah, and you said Swole's his better half, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, you know, once again, so much action um, at such a high pace. Um, not sure what to really talk about in this match, but uh, Cedric does hit a, a uh, Mikinochu driver. I probably I totally missed, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Michinoku driver. But dude, um, he threw fucking Gargano like another extra foot in the air to hit that fucker. He was so high up, my god! And he still did, like whenever he was actually still wrestling, like he was doing it that high up and i was like that is freaking nuts okay so that's the thing okay i was like oh shit dude and i mean gargano i meant dude say what you will man that guy takes a fucking whooping oh man um but yeah it's um you know we did have maybe a miscue um you know as cedric gets a bunch of kicks in on champa and gets the pin attempt um, but you know, watching the replay, I'll, you know, you know which one I'm talking about though, where everyone's like mm-hmm. thinking he ate three. I think that Champa may have actually kicked out in time, but it was it very was, close, you know. But at, at the end of time, you know, it's about storytelling and it's the ref's discretion. Um, you don't want the ref, you know, like holding up on account because then, you know then you know it's going to be not going to be a three. So you want, I mean, if he hits his hand, but he says no. So um, good on him, you know, so just a great match. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. Definitely wish we had more of these, like, matches. Like, if it was just to. 
yeah. like an exhibition for the other guys, like just something. Yeah, especially the guys that lost in the first, you know, obviously, I mean, yeah, because Ciampa was the only one that lost in the first round in this match. I mean, it'd be cool to see, um, you know, size back in there or um, why am I brain farting? Or, I, mean, it's, I mean, obviously, we see Gallagher or anything, but, you know, just watching this match, I mean, at the end of the day, we realize why till up till six months ago, all four of these guys were still signed with the E. Yeah, most of them were. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, Gargano's the only one that's not still with the company, so. Um, and for some odd reason, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a Candice LeRae mark. Um, but, uh, yeah, they always just mention Johnny Gargano's fiance. Can you just say her goddamn name? But she wasn't signed to the company at the time, but she did make her debut in the May Young Classic, which is also another great tournament, by the way. Mm-hmm. Both of them are. Yeah, I am a Candice LeRae mark. Um, I, I enjoyed the hell out of her. She's just, she's so tough. Yeah, she can get in there with guys like she's just so good. Yeah, she's never been really able to showcase that in in WWE, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, And I should mention, I didn't actually write down the the end of the match, but DIY wins. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure Gargano got a pin, I think, on Cedric. But, um, yeah, I mean, just just a phenomenal match. They pinned Dar. Oh, did he pin Dar? Yeah, they did pin Dar. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, that's why, that's why you're the brains of this operation, Justin. So, <laughs> um, but man, yeah, I just wish they would have had more show. I mean, I know they were limited on time, um, yeah. you know, and doing it week to week and everything, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, and then we get William Regal in to present, um, oh, William Regal just kind of come gets on commentary. They're kind of killing some time. Uh, experiencing his time with, you know, the experiences with, with other cruiserweights, including the original Tiger Mask, um, which I need to dig in. I've, I've heard of said original Tiger Mask. Um, I have a DVD um, in my house. It's uh, Dynamite Kid versus uh, all in Japan and all of his legendary matches with Tiger Mask. So, um, you know, because, I mean, and that was the early 80s. So, um yeah, well, Justin here, before we dig into the to the amazing final here of Grand Metalik versus uh, T.J. Perkins, um, you got any other uh, comments, concerns, um, no. analyzations or anything? So, no, ready for this one. Um, yeah, and let's say kudos to all four people that, you know, that wrestled today. Um, just leaving all on the mat. You know, you, you can't you can't go to the finals if you don't win the match ahead of you. Um, so yeah, but grandma, you know, they get their entrance, TGP gets his entrance and then all of a sudden, um, much time we get Q, uh, I'm actually going to play this by the way, um, this segment, uh, but all of a sudden motorhead jumps into our ear holes yep. and now uh, the game comes out and, uh, and he's talking how proud these guys are and blah, 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 doing not uh, triple H things. Uh, but he did announce that this winner of this match will be the first cruiserweight champion and will be on Raw going forward <clears throat> for a couple weeks. <clears throat> Sorry. They say that out loud. Um, yeah. Um, man, you know, that's, that was a pretty cool moment. So, I mean, I have pretty much figured that's what happened. Um but I mean, I'm I'm sure you, you probably popped when that happened. 
I mean, from for the, the from the start of the tournament, there was never an announcement that it was for the title that the okay. title was coming back at all. And then Triple H just made that announcement at the final and said that the title was coming back, showed that title, and I just I love that title. That was so nice. Okay, so that was a genuine pop because no one so nobody didn't get spoiled or anything. So yeah, no, it was just. When it there was there was always talk of like everybody of course started speculating that of course the cruiserweight title is going to come back right over and over again and there was never an, an announcement until that moment there. So good, um, yeah, just just awesome. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, dig into the match here real quick. So um, you know TJP he is fighting you know he is from the Philippines. Um, but uh, you know, he's based obviously in the United States. Um, but I mean, he, he spent an extensive amount in, uh, in Mexico, you know, and this match showed it for sure. Um, you know, obviously TJP is not a quote unquote salute to Libre, but, um, man, yeah, this, this match really showcased the, the Lucha Libre submission game by both guys. Yes. You know, I mean, obviously Grand Metal League had, you know, I've been using it before, but, uh, TJP, um, you know, they're going hold for hold, you know, would have made ZSJ proud. Um, I like how Grand Metalik, the entire tournament, like adapted to whoever the hell he was facing. Yeah. It was like, I'm facing a guy who's technical. Screw it. I'll go technical for a little bit. Like, yeah. The whole thing with Tajiri. Tajiri's like a striker and a, and a, and a, and a technician. He's like, forget it. I'll go technical for a little bit, but then I'll break out the high flying. Yeah, I mean, Grand Metal League, I mean, this whole tournament kind of went under under the radar. Did you know, I wouldn't say he was, he, you know, as the Cinderella story that uh, that Kendrick was, but, um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, like, a bunch of his matches, like, oh, I mean, yeah, this is, this is where the road And, like, you know, like I said, to jury, but so much fun. Um, yeah, we definitely have started a sign Grand Metal League hashtag, you know. Easily. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know they go, but then uh, the the high flying starts. Uh, but dude, that fucking dive that Metal League hits fucking TJP in the fucking right in the jaw, the top of his head. Yeah, uh, dude. Whoo, man, you do that to me, man. I'm dumb for a week. Um, you know, and kudos Daniel Bryan because I mean at, at normal speed, I mean it did it looked like a normal dive, but then they slowed it down and replayed. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And like I said, Maro brings up, you know, Metal League is, is the, is the king of the ropes. Um, yeah, I'm not going to try and do it in Spanish. So my Spanish, <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah I don't dude, even know. I tried to freaking figure out what it was too. As he was saying, it, couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Reyes, Dale, you know, I pretty asked the wife, but. Um, but yeah, he's super innovative. I mean, that elbow he does from the middle, I mean, the, you know, the top rope, but he does it yeah. from the middle, you know, so it's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. And, um, they're all that one dive. Um, <laughs> he did do the, did the flip, whatever they call it. And, uh, TJ didn't really quite catch him and he landed flat back on the match. I was like, Ooh, Yeah. yeah. That tope over the top, yeah. When he did the flip, and he just lands flat, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that one." Yeah, freaking hurt. Um, yeah, and then um, you know when when two guys can pull off a rolling DDT like these two do, 
it was a thing of fucking beauty. Yeah. Um, yeah, Metally just nailed it on T, but I mean, TJP, quote unquote, sold the shit out of it. So, um, yeah, but I'd, I'd say besides ESG and, and Noam Dar, um, you know, this is, this match probably had the most believable kickouts in, in the submission or kickouts of submissions in the tournament. So, um, lots and lots of reversals. Um, and I said it before, man, crowd was fucking hot. Yeah. You know, um, they were for pretty much the whole tournament. They were all set for this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think NXT ever should have left full sale, but, you yeah, know, you know, or, um, well, we'll bring this up later, but I mean, you put 205, put it in full sale. Just make it another yeah. fucking show. Don't tape. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was, I, that was something I always used to say too, was I, I think the location for 205 live is what, was one of the the big issues with it. Yeah, it's uh, anyways. Um yeah, once again, you know, the injury to Graham and Elite, you know, he's got a bum knee. Um, but he hits the metal elite driver and TJP. Um, but he can't make the pin. You know, great storytelling. So his move still protected. So um, you know, and then the end of the match, um Metal League takes TJP up for a you know, he's going for the end or the avalanche uh, metal league driver on the top rope. Uh, TJP wiggles out of it. Then um, it gets an arm drag and into a knee bar. And um, he cinched it, um, cinched that mother in, mother, and I have in big parentheses, cinched that motherfucker in. So, yeah, um, like nothing else. And, uh, you know, metal league fought valiantly. Um, but, you know, at, at the end, you know, that, uh, you know, like Daniel Bryan, let's see that that rope was uh, another time away. Um, yeah, all the times he kept trying to put it in too. Remember, he couldn't get that; he couldn't put the key lock part into it. Yep. Edmonds League wouldn't let him. But that last one off the top, as soon as he came down, he got that leg in and just yeah. locked it in. Um. Yeah, and then uh, Metal League taps out, and uh, Justin, we have our first ever, <laughs> and I mean. Ever great fucking champion, um, TJP, you know, and just the raw emotion from TJP here, um, yeah. you know, and T. And listen, I, I always kind of wonder. I mean, when did he know he was going to win this tournament? Um, was it the day of, or was this like a plan the whole time? Because he was really the only one that talked about how you know winning this tournament is going to change the game. Yeah, this is going to be you know a life change, and to be the first, it's fucking huge. No one else talked like that except for him. Um, yeah. I'm going to chalk it up to the dude had the, the best foresight into knowing that. But um, yeah. yeah, TJP, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Uh, we are recording this. This will be on the internet. You now have a forever fan. So as long as you're not, I don't find out you're killing animals or you're sex trafficking little kids or you're calling for the extermination of a a race of people, you know, or a couple other things, you would not have a forever fan. So, um, just the dude showed a lot of heart. And, dude, his fucking chest was hamburger meat. Yeah. He had that, like, spot right there. And I was like, damn, Grand Mental League, between him and Ibushi hitting him. Because he, remember, he only had, like, a little bit of time to recover from that match. Yeah, I mean, probably real time... Half an hour, 45 minutes. 
Yeah. You know? They had a tag match. So yeah. the tag match was there to just fill a little time, give them chance to recuperate, but holy hell. Um, yeah. Well, um, Justin, we've only got seven minutes left, but I do want to kind of dive into like our thoughts on this. Do you mind uh, taking a quick fuck you Zoom break and then we'll do one uh, one last session? Let's do it. All right, dude. I will see you in about, uh, about 180 seconds. Got it. Yeah. Cruiserweight Classic. Soon from the seeds of the underground. Forged in unrivaled determination. Defined by courage. Special live two-hour broadcast. The stage is set. The best competing against the best. I'm not here to get a pat on the back. I come here to win. I think when you love something and you put the time and effort in, the rewards come. Vengo por eso, vengo por ese torneo y salir con la con la mano en alto para llevárselo, ahora sí que dedicárselo a todo México. When you look back in history, there are things that are going to be traced back to this point in time. And my name is going to be on that list. Four competitors. Four nations. One pride. history right here right now in this ring we will make history we started out with 32 we scoured the world to find 32 of the best passion and sacrifice boiled it down to four and right now in front of you you see two of the best in the world But we're not looking for two. We're looking for one. We are looking for the one. 
We are looking for the one that will be known as the best in the world. We are looking for the one that right here tonight will make history. We are looking for the one that will be the winner of the first Cruiserweight Classic. And even more importantly than that, we are looking for the one that will go to Raw this Monday night and be known as the new WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Oh my God, Daniel, the stakes just rose exponentially. All right, high five. Uh, geez, I can't talk. High fivers. We are uh, back from our last fuck you Zoom break, and we're gonna we're gonna put a tiny little, well, big tiny bow on this. But uh, um, first, Justin, um, listen, I don't want to be too negative. We kind of you know alluded to it earlier, but um, besides Vince not really liking, obviously, um, smaller wrestlers. Um, obviously, there are some exceptions. Rey Mysterio. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan, so on and so forth. I mean, um, why didn't this flourish or why did we even get a second tournament? I don't even know, really. I could never really explain it. You it's know, we, we got a second May Young Classic, and no, that's not just a me because I fucking loved it. Um, we yeah. got a UK tournament. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, just. Yeah, putting them on Raw, because um, didn't they, like, change the ropes and everything, and they had, like, a whole, like, their setup, but for, like, was that on Raw or SmackDown? It was on Raw. The first time the first time they had the show, when they first started, like, after the after the tournament, they, were, they put them on Raw every time. And this was way before even 205 Live was a thought. They would just have them on Raw, and they didn't really do much with them on Raw. Would they just, you just get like a segment it's like, okay, here's two cruiserweights, they're going to wrestle, and we don't give a shit. So it's like WCW in 1997? Pretty much, honestly. Like, they just put them out there because why not at that point? They just turn into time filler, and that was it. Yeah. And then basically they just started filming 205 Live like after SmackDown? Yeah. They literally waited... Like SmackDown would end and whatever stragglers were left in the crowd would stay there. And just that was what would happen. Like they'd have the dark match after the show and then they'd go right to 205 Live. Man, I mean, uh, yeah, somebody uh, showed it to my homies in the Shining Wizards Discord. But, um, you know, why? I think, I think the, the main thing about it was the worst part about it was with that whole thing of them sticking them in front of the crowd in front, like after SmackDown, it was like, it was one of those things where they had to get those guys interested. The crowd was like barely alive half the time for their, like even for two Oh five lives. Like it was just, the crowd was like, they had to hook them immediately or else they would have never got a reaction. And that's what sucks so bad. It was just, it was 
we always, uh, even bef- when they announced 205 Live, I was like, why don't they just have it in full sale in front yeah. of that crowd? That crowd loved the, the, the tournament altogether. Why would you not stick them in front of the crowd that gives a damn? Why would you put it in front of the crowd that's, you know, just got done watching SmackDown and either most of them are ready to go, like they're ready to go the hell home at this point, but you're sticking them in front of this little tiny crowd here and just do it. Any of them even know who they are at the time. Like you're just sticking them all in front of this SmackDown crowd. That's like half out and half ready to go home. And you're just, here you go. Cruiserweights. Yeah. It's, I mean, and there were so many, st- I mean, the storylines from this tournament, you could have extended for, for years with the fucking TV. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't mean to play the whole Vince is out of touch thing, but I mean, I mean, take it from the guy who was who would watch the show re, 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 like religiously. I would watch 205 Live every week. And it was just that show was so good. It was really good, honestly. But it was like the crowd just wasn't in it like half time. They needed like they finally like on occasion started picking it up. But it was like, again, the crowd had to get like invested early or else they weren't going to be in it. Yeah. And like for someone who was. Um, I mean, I was watching the main roster at the time, and I didn't know much about I knew of NXT um, a little bit. I had been watching it here and there. And I would get into NXT um, religiously probably two, three months after um, this tournament. Um, but for someone that was watching mainly the main roster at the time, they barely even mentioned it. Um, really you know, I mean, they barely mentioned this tournament. They barely mentioned 205 Live. Um, you know, I'm a good test example. Like, they would have mentioned it. I, I probably would have tuned in. You know, I well, I didn't have a way to watch it too. That was the problem. I didn't have the network at the time because I'm assuming was that on the net? That wasn't on broadcast TV. That was obviously all on the network. Yeah, that, was, that was on the network right after, like right after SmackDown. You'd have to go to the network. You know, just I mean, such great talent. Um, so many stories we could have told. You know, we could have had Cruiserweight. Thank yeah. You. Ooh, sorry about that. Whoa, that snuck up on me. Um, it just it sucked because it was such. It had such good potential, and it just they let it they let it slip through their fingers. Yeah, and just never even a second tournament. Um, you know, and I'm glad a lot of these guys. I mean, yeah, they still have jobs at WWE, but t- people like TJ Perkins are, are flourishing. You know, in other places. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Kota Bushi is. Orobushi. Um, you know, ZSJ is ZSJ. Um yeah, just just would would have been a lot of fun. Um and the other uh the other thing I DM'd you about was um people not in the tournament. And why yeah. do you think it was? Um and I've got a pretty decent list. Um who's the first couple people that you got on your list of people that should have been, you know, that were available at the time that weren't in the tournament? I mean, there was people that even like because even wasn't Coda still in New Japan at the time? They just got him there. I think so. Yeah. So it was like there was a lot of people that they could have like had other companies go. Hey, can we put them in our cruiserweight classic? Because why the hell not? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first two names that come, you know, come came off the top of my head were obviously Will Osprey and Ricochet. Um, you know, and obviously Ricochet does sign with you know NXT, and he's still mm-hmm. he is still employed by WWE, right? I mean, yes, I think okay. 
Um, he's on SmackDown, current Intercontinental Champion. Oh, he's still champ? Yeah. I thought he lost it to... Oh. Wait, Not, yet. To... Not yet. Okay. Give That's it time. A... I mean, um, you know, I, I don't know why, but Osprey, maybe Ricochet. Uh, I mean, that Lucha Underground contract was fucking weird. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he was stuck with that. Because um, the other person I've got that would have been Taylor made Phoenix. That actually is why he wasn't there originally. Okay. It was because of the Lucha Underground contract. He was stuck. He was locked into that okay. at the time. Before the company folded and they let everybody go, he was just it sucked because they just they locked him in. Um another speaking person thinking, you know, speaking, and obviously this person did sign with NXT eventually is Kushida. Yep. You know, um, Kyle O'Reilly was out there at the time. You know, I, he might have been a little bit too big for uh, for a crew and crew, you know, cruiserweight, but he's wrestling in the best of super juniors. Um, you know, I think he was probably under a pretty big contract with with Lucha Under or uh, Ring of Honor time. Um, yeah. Man, but Marty Skrull. Um, I have him. I have him on my list. Um, yeah, I don't this or the UK tournament. Um, you know, they might have thrown big I had, him, I had him down for a lot of different for the the two different tournaments. I had him for the NXT UK tournament at the time. I thought he was gonna be there, but they didn't grab him. Yeah. Um yeah, those were kind of names that came off kind kind of came off the top of my head. So I mean but I mean there's so many. I was like and like I said, no offense, but um like that Bennett kid. Yeah, okay, great. Um you know, did that uh, Alejandro says he was good. Um, yeah, I liked him. I really did. I thought he was going to be interesting. I thought we were going to get him part of the division when he when it happened, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fabian Eichner, I mean, obviously continued in Jack Gallagher, but um, yeah. You got any other people on, on the list that I didn't mention? Uh, Ray Horace, for one. Oh, yeah. Imagine him in there, but I know he was another one locked in to Luch yeah. Underground at the time. So, yeah, uh, um, Jack Evans. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, talk about a veteran. Talk about a guy I would have loved to see in that tournament immediately yeah. was Jack Evans. Then we had two people who ended up being in the UK tournament. You had Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan, Webster. Yeah. They were in the qualifying matches, as we saw there. Right. Uh, Phoenix was one, but I knew he was locked into Lucha Underground. You even had PJ Black, Justin yeah. Gabriel there. I know they had him, but it was like, you think they wouldn't bring him back for that specifically? Yeah. Show it to yeah. PJ. Yeah. You have Daga. Yeah. But I know he was locked in. I think he was locked in too so at one point. Even yeah, Drago. Drago's another one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, people I'm trying to think of like New Japan. Um, I mean, shit. Do you know under Liger? You think they'd have Liger come in? That would have been fun. That would have been interesting. Like, yeah. Um, I had Roddy. I had Roddy, but now that they have him too, like if they if they brought Roddy in, that would have been nice for that tournament. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I don't know how um, exclusive like the impact. In Ring of Honor, but I mean, if Kota was signed to New Japan, I mean, yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if they could have brought some 
different names in there that were already signed at the time. Yeah. I only have like two others on the list, and that was like Flip Gordon. Oh, was yeah. One. Well, Flip, Flip was pretty, I mean, he might have been still pretty young at that. Well, yeah. I say Flip is amazing. And I had Davey Richards on there too, because Oof. yeah, Davey Richards would have been a nice addition to that tournament. Oh, yeah. I am a humongous fan of the Davey Richards. So, um, oh, shit. I just had someone when you said Flip. Um, oh, Leo Rush. Yeah, I mean Leo I know they Rush brought him just, in eventually, but he yeah, was I mean, he uh, he just won the breakout tournament in uh, Ring of Honor that year, you know. So fantastic. So, um, but I, I mean, at this point, we're just picking nits. Um, yeah. You know, it was a great fucking tournament. I mean, obviously, I'm very, very thankful. You know, for you doing this with me. Um, you know, I'm glad I'd never seen this. This is my first eyeballs. I mean, unfortunately, there's a couple spoilers, but mm-hmm. this, this by, I mean, a lot of times when you watch something, like you hear about it for years and years and years, like, like a movie, you know, like, oh, this movie's so good. You should watch it for year, And then you yeah. finally see it. And then you're like, eh, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> this is definitely not that. Um, yeah. So th- this is awesome. And, and like I said, I have a feeling we'll be, we'll be doing something again similar you know, in the future. So this is not our last showcase. So fantastic. I am excited for the next one. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, yeah, th- thanks a bunch to this. This is a blast. Um, you know, before we pull the, the proverbial train into the station, uh, what, uh, what do you and Jeremy got rocking over in, uh, just in timeland? Um, still doing our normal just reviews right now. Got our stuff coming out Thursday. Like we usually do. Got stuff coming out Saturday like we do usually. As well. <laughs> We're also debating on adding like a like a throwback pay per view in there just because just throw yeah. something else in there. Yeah. So just just throwing just trying to decide some other stuff to throw in there too. Yeah, but man, let's see. I mean, the quality of the show. I mean, let's see. You guys right off the bat for someone. You know, I mean, I know I, I heard about such podcast before it came out because I was purview mm-hmm. to that information. But yeah, you guys are killing it. You know, right off the bat. So. I appreciate that big time. So we'll do. I'm loving your your shows. Like my God. Yeah. So it's kind of all over the place. And yeah, maybe we'll, uh, you know, yeah, eventually I'll get you and Jeremy. I, um, you know, do like the, I know it's a newer podcast, but you, you guys origin story kind of like, you know, get that out there for people too. So I'm going to start doing that. Um, Probably like mid July to August and shit like that. So. um, Fantastic. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep in touch. But, yeah, this is definitely not the, the last time we'll be doing something like this. So, Awesome. All right, dude. Well, Jeremy – why I say Jeremy? Jesus. I was going to say, my best to Jeremy. But, Justin – oh, it's been a day. So, um, yeah, Justin, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. Um, you're a great partner in crime. Um, your insight was great. Um, and, dude, this, this tournament was so worth it, so – I'm happy that you got to finally witness this thing because yeah, so. and then I got to rewatch it because it's, it was such a big thing at the time yeah. and it's amazing. It's an amazing tournament. They handled everything about it so well. Yeah. And I was glad, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't use Peacock very often, but it was easy to navigate. I yeah. just like the Cruiserweight Classic and it popped right up. Yeah, I did too. That's how yeah. I did it. Cause I was like, I went looking for it at first, like, through all the sections and everything where the hell I could find it, but I couldn't find it. And I was like, can I just search it? And it would come up and it wouldn't pop right up. And I was like, 
Why didn't I do that in the first place? Because <laughs> that'd be too easy, my friend. So, <laughs> all right, dude. Well, you have a good night, Justin. We will stay in touch. And um, yeah, high fivers. Well, I mean, this will be dropping on Thursday, but I mean, we're recording on Tuesday. So, all yes. right, dude. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Fantastic.
way you can't. TJ Perkins, congratulations on becoming the first ever Cruiserweight Classic champion. I know there are probably so many thoughts and emotions going through you right now, but can you try and put into words exactly what you're feeling at this moment? I, uh... On my necklace, I always keep this key. It was the last place I lived before I was evicted. And uh, I had to live on the street after that. And I kept it because for the longest time, it was a reminder of a place I couldn't go back to. Now, for the first time, I feel like I don't need it because it's a reminder of a place I never have to go back to. What does it mean for you to go down in WWE history as the first Cruiserweight Champion? You know, during that time, during that time, I searched so hard for inspiration because it's all I had. All I had was inspiration. And I looked to my heroes. My heroes did stuff like this. And I was in that place and I felt like I could never find something like this. And now it just means the world to me to be able to inspire somebody else that's gonna keep coming. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than me. This is not one person. This is 32 people. All of them. Every single one of them. I started and they were just my peers. And tonight, at the end of this, every single one of them are also my hero. This is for everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, your Cruiserweight Classic Champion, T.J. Perkins! Already proving to be a classic ambassador for WWE's Cruiserweight Real quick, I just want to throw on a post amble here real quick. Uh, like I said, you know, in, in the liner notes, and I said this throughout the podcast, this this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I can't thank Justin enough for, for all he did, and this tournament by far, by far, exceeded expectations. Um, you know, I, I've got a lot of people to thank. Um, you know, I will do that in due time. But I do want to mention something real quick. Um, you know, we had talked on the fact that we were sad that Grand Middle Leak uh, was no longer in wrestling. Well, it turns out uh, that Tom is not good at interneting. And it looks like Grand Metal League is back. Um, he's been wrestling for New Japan Strong. Uh, he's been wrestling for GCW. And it looks like he's back in CMLLL, which is awesome. Uh, all under uh, the name of a Mascara uh, Dorado. Uh, so I do want to shout out my good friend uh, in the real life, Mr. Brett of the Brand Buster Boys, who uh, let me know that. And then for all the people in uh, the Shining Wizards Discord that reached out, so thank you, Matt. Uh, thank you, Scotch and um, Brennan, for uh, for letting me know. Um, you know that Grandma Leak is still around. He's still wrestling. He's still kicking. So, but yeah, um, like I always say, I hope everyone enjoyed the enjoy the, the showcase. Um, I'm sad it's over, but I'm sure shit glad we did it. You know, I've got a good feeling that Justin. And I are going to do some other stuff, but you know, I hope everyone enjoyed the showcase because you know we did. So, thank you so much, high fivers, and I'll talk to everybody later.